Welcome to the Together Sober Podcast. I am your host, Louise Barnett, former Fortune 100 Global Sales Director turned Jay Shetty Accredited Life Coach. Each week, we will provide you a safe space of guidance, empathy, accountability, and support, helping you to find effortless sobriety and mental peace. You know the whole concept of paying it forward? That's exactly what Hit Subscribe does. It sends a message to the universe, to people who need to hear the lessons and the tools from the Together Sober podcast. Hit subscribe. Welcome back to another solo episode of the Together Sober podcast, where my mission every single week through candid conversations and storytelling is to create lasting and effortless sobriety and mental peace. I have a daughter. You probably know that. She's about to turn 10. And one of the biggest fears and concerns I have is what her relationship with alcohol and drugs is going to be as she gets older and starts exploring and making her own decisions. And if you are a parent who has an addiction, has struggled with an addiction, is sober, or just any parent I think in general, um, this is, I'm sure, something that has crossed your mind. And for me, it crosses my mind quite frequently because I'm an addict and I had a problem for 20 years and I made a lot of choices that I regret. And, you know, it really held me back for many years of my life. And, you know, I think the idea of watching my own child go through that is, is something that I just don't even, I don't even want to imagine. Uh, for me, I grew up in a household that was extremely conservative Um, as it relates to lifestyle choices and alcohol and drugs and everything like that. Um, So I was raised Mormon. And in the Mormon faith, you know, it was taught to us. And again, I I know I I actually am not familiar with how it has changed over the years, some of these guidelines. So I'm really just speaking from how I received this information 40 years ago, okay? So certainly some of this may have changed over time, but when I was raised in the church, there were certain things that were just an absolute no, do not do not ask why, don't anything, just don't do it, okay? So some of those things were, you know, no sex before marriage, no really nothing before marriage, except for maybe kissing your partner. Um. Caffeine was something that was on the list that was just forbidden. Um, Certainly any alcohol, any drugs were forbidden off the list. Now, for me, what was the biggest challenge was, I, I remember this, and I've shared this story before, but it's been a while. So when I was, gosh, I must have been like sixth or seventh grade, so like 13 or 14 years old, and my girlfriends all wanted to go to Starbucks after school and I went with them and I remember not getting like anything with coffee in it, right? Like, cause everybody was getting the Frappuccinos and everything at that time. 
And I don't know if I got anything or if I just got a hot chocolate or what it was, but I remember just like really struggling in that moment because I didn't understand why. And so I remember going home and I ripped out the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, the Bible, all of the doctrine, searching, 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 searching for an answer that could explain to me why I couldn't have caffeine. So I just didn't understand it, you know? Um, I think for some reason at that age, like alcohol did seem like the devil and evil. So I, I was fine with that, but I just couldn't understand the coffee thing. And then um, the first kind of acts of rebellion that I did were to have coffee. That was, I remember the first coffee I had, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm free. Like it was such an act of rebellion for me. And then I started exploring um you know, just with boyfriends, like what most people do when they're 16 years old, kind of more of that sexual side of things. I didn't touch alcohol until I was like 17, 16, 17. It was junior, sophomore year. And I was going to prom with my boyfriend who was a senior or something like that. And um, that's like the first alcohol that I had was at that event. And for me, it felt like an act of freedom and autonomy because, again, I had been told by so many people for so many years that this is evil. Now, my parents also never drank alcohol. Either of them never had a sip of alcohol in their lives. They were both raised in families that had alcoholic parents and as a result just never consumed alcohol. So there was some naivete and some innocence surrounding alcohol. But what Basically, that meant is that it was off the table. It was terrible if you did it. It was evil. And there was never any conversation about it, right? Like my parents, in their defense, like they didn't have any experience with it except for severely alcoholic parents. And so it meant that there were really never any conversations about it. And so when I decided to really start making my own choices for myself, I just radically went the other way. And then I went to college and just everything kind of fell off the rails there. So all that to say, you know, we think, you know, my parents did the best that they had with the tools that they had at the time. Do I think that they would have done things differently today? Probably, maybe. Um, I think my dad listens to the podcast. I, I see him um, kind of looking at my social media and everything like that. So he might hear this and that's okay, right? Like they did the best that they could with the tools that they had at that time. But part of life is that we want to constantly evolve and we want to constantly grow and we want to constantly become better. So I want to do right by my daughter and I want to make sure that I am providing her as much support as possible to make the best decisions possible for herself. I'm never going to be able to handcuff her and tell her never to drink. I'm not actually sure that I want her to never drink. I, I, I don't genuinely know the answer to that question. But I do think that there are things that we can be doing for our children that are at least going to help equip them to have the information and the stories that they need to make the best decisions.
Remember, I believe firmly, my part of my mission statement is that through candid conversations and storytelling, we can help people unlock their own happiness, freedom, and dharma. So I do firmly believe that through storytelling and through having candid conversations with our children, we can really just pave, pave a road for them that's going to allow them to make their own choices and ones that are going to lead them closer to their own true happiness, dharma, and freedom. That's my goal for Annabelle, and that's my goal for all of your children. So a couple of things that we can do. First and foremost, we can start with age-appropriate education. So this is by providing our children with age-appropriate information about drugs, alcohol, and addiction. It does not have to be secret. It does not have to be off the table. We can talk about this stuff. Just like we have that conversation with our children about sex and having babies, right? That is a conversation that happens. And if they're asking about it when they're five, we adapt the conversation a certain way, right? When my daughter's now asking about it as a 10-year-old, give me her a little bit more details, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm having a little bit of a different conversation. And then when she's 16 and wants to be sexually active, that's going to be a different conversation, right? So age appropriate, depending on how old our children are, we have to use our best judgment in that case, but use language and examples that they can understand, ensuring them that the information is not too overwhelming, not too scary, not too confusing, right? We don't want to paint the picture that alcohol is the demon devil. And if you ever drink it, you're going to become addicted and, you know, instill all this fear. I don't believe that is the right way to go about this. So also in these candid conversations, we need to be prepared to answer their questions and we need to answer them honestly and address any misconceptions that they may have. So I'm a firm believer in honesty is one of my top five values, that and faithfulness. And, you know, with Annabelle, I try my darndest, whatever she's asking, whatever we're talking about, to be sure that I am true to my word and what I'm saying is absolutely honest and that I'm not just lying to protect her. Um, you know, there's a fine line sometimes when we abstain from sharing information. Technically, I think that is a form of dishonesty, but I do think with children that, you know, it, it's a fine line. And I think that, yes, there's, there's certain things that we can abstain from sharing, you know, depending on their age and what's appropriate at that time. Um, we want to not just be lecturing and talking, right? Um, we want to be fielding questions and addressing those misconceptions. So any conversation, any coaching conversation, and this in a way is a coaching conversation, we want the recipient or the client or whoever it is, we want them to do most of the talking, to be honest. Um, that's really a sign of a quality conversation, excuse me, between a coach and a client. So allow your child the space to ask these questions. The second thing we can do is just to foster an environment where we are promoting open communication. Right now, if you ask yourself honestly, do you feel that your child would feel comfortable asking you any question under the sun? Alcohol-related, drug-related, boy-related, anything related. Do you see your child asking you questions? Do you see your child engaging with you and including you in aspects of, of their life, 
So this is a safe, non-judgmental environment where your child feels comfortable discussing all of their thoughts, all of their concerns, and all of their experiences related to addiction. And this, of course, applies to other areas as well. I think, you know, the, the sex thing is really closely aligned here. Um, encourage them to ask questions. Listen attentively without interrupting or dismissing their feelings. And assure them that you are there to support them and help navigate any challenges that they might have. So I am going to kind of toot my own horn here for a little bit because my sweet little Annabelle, <laughs> my sweet little Annabelle, she, um, she's such a love. She's such a little social butterfly. And she's a little bit boy crazy for a nine-year-old, almost 10-year-old. But guess what? I hear all the details. I hear about it all. I know who her crush is. I know what her crush said at school today. I know that her crush was staring at her today. And, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm like jumping up and down and cheering her on for, you know, having these crushes on boys and wanting to act on certain things. But, dude, she's telling me about it. So I am, we are, me and Paul, both ultra careful and sensitive to be sure that we are hearing her and acknowledging her stories without bias, without judgment, because that is creating and fostering a safe environment with open communication so that when the time comes for her to maybe try alcohol for the first time, we've already laid the groundwork for this open communication, right? We want our kids to come to us first. Now, this is opposite of how I grew up. I grew up in fear and I grew up having to hide everything. I never spoke a word with my parents about boys I had crushes on. I obviously never told them I was drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes or, you know, doing anything else, right? Um, there, was, there was just a lot of fear um, in terms of how that was managed. And so, because I didn't want to get in trouble, and talk about it. The third thing we can do is to really emphasize in objective way, I think would be a good way of, of, of saying this, the risks and the consequences to alcohol. And we're talking about alcohol and drugs specifically here. So, you know, just very in an objective manner, discussing the potential risks and consequences that are associated with use of substances and addiction. If you want to kind of practice this and, you know, you want to ease yourself into it, like cigarettes is a great place to start. Um, you know, almost like universally, you know, I think the at least the country can agree cigarettes are bad for us. They are bad for our health, you know, a million things, right? So maybe just use that as like a, a, a gateway conversation to this conversation about drugs and alcohol, if that makes you feel comfortable. But you want to be discussing the impact that it can have on their physical health, their mental well-being, their relationships, academic performance, future goals. You can use real-life examples or stories, right? Storytelling, candid conversations. This is what's going to change the world to illustrate the negative effects of addiction. Now, the goal of this is not fear. The goal of this is not to tell the scariest story about how you drank so much and you got tossed in jail and you lost your house and you lost your car. That is not the purpose of this. The purpose of this is to paint a very clear picture for your child of what 
potentially is on the table, what consequences could arise should they decide to walk down this path of really excessively consuming alcohol or consuming alcohol at all, depending on the stance you take. Uh, but this is, this is not meant to instill fear, okay? So keep, keep this objective. And if you're using real life examples, that's okay. I use real life examples at home. So I tell my daughter that like, I didn't get really good grades in college because I was drinking too much alcohol. Okay. So that's a really kind of softer example of a real life, right? It's true. Um, but it's not used to instill fear um, in, her, in her at all. So the next thing that we can do, the fourth thing that we can do is to uh, really, it's, this is a proactive step that we can be taking, which is to foster resilience and coping skills. So we know as addicts or former addicts or however you identify that a lot of the times the reason that we reached for alcohol or drugs was to deal with some kind of trauma, stress, emotion, right? So what can we do proactively to be teaching our children healthy ways to cope with stress, peer pressure, and challenging emotions? If we're doing that from a young age, if we're coaching our children on, on those skills and building their own toolbox that doesn't involve alcohol, the likelihood of when they are dealing with high stress periods as a teenage or, or early 20s, this is when most people are starting drinking, right? But the likelihood that they're going to reach for one of those healthy tools is huge, you guys. So I didn't have these healthy tools. I My mental health declined rapidly at age 15. And so I did go into therapy, but it, it, it takes time to develop these skills, you guys. So it is our job as parents to start laying the, the foundational framework here uh, for our children to have these tools and resources for how to process through big emotions and stressful situations and trauma. Everybody has trauma, big T, little T, everybody has it. So what are we doing to work through it? And how are we teaching our children that from a young age? So that alcohol doesn't even become an option for them, right? Maybe Annabelle will drink alcohol socially. Maybe she'll drink it. You know, Paul has a beer here, you know, here and there. Maybe she'll be like that because we have taught her tools so that when she is stressed out and emotional, she doesn't even think to reach for the alcohol, right? That's trained behavior. So this, this can involve encouraging them to just engage in activities that they enjoy, practice self-care, right? Build strong relationships, develop problem-solving skills. Um, start to really audit your child and see when they are stressed out, what are the things that help them calm down and develop on those things. Help them understand that addiction is often a result of using substances as a coping mechanism and that there are healthier alternatives available. This is huge. This one is huge. So Annabelle, she's nine, going on 10, and she gets frustrated all the time. She's very emotional. She's just like her mommy. And we know that one of the things that really calms her down is if she goes to her room and listens to her book, her audiobook. That's like probably the number one thing that just calms her down. So what are we doing at home to foster that and to encourage that? 
every time she is stressed or extra emotional, right? Oh, Annabelle, why don't you go listen to Mackenzie Blue? That's the name of, or the author of, of the book, right? Uh, number five is really simple. Be a positive role model. So children learn by observing their parents and caregivers. Point blank, we know this. They become little mini-me's for a reason. They tend to copy our behaviors in so many ways. And so it is so critically important that we are all leading by example and demonstrating healthy habits and responsible behavior regarding substance abuse, substance use. If you are actively drinking right now, Ask yourself every single time you are making a choice around alcohol, if you would want your daughter or son to do the same thing. Now, if it's a glass of wine on a Friday night with friends, sure. But just challenge yourself. Ask yourself, is what I'm doing in this moment something I would want Annabelle to be doing? Because if they're watching you do it, if they're watching you get trashed with your partner on a Friday night or with friends and you think it's fine because all the kids are playing in the sandbox and all the people at dinner are just getting trashed, they're watching you. They're looking and they're listening and they're absorbing everything and they will copy that behavior. Show your children that it is possible to have fun and enjoy life without relying on substances. So remember that this is an ongoing conversation. This isn't a one and done. And this should be, I don't want to say it's every night at the dinner table. I think that's excessive, right? But be prepared to revisit the topic semi-regularly as your child starts to grow and face new challenges. So right now, Annabelle's still in elementary school. I feel like we're in a good place, right? Like, I feel like we've talked about it enough. She knows the risks. We've kind of gone through all these steps. But, you know, probably middle school, I'm pretty sure that kids are going to start drinking, right? Sixth, seventh grade, that's kind of usually where it starts, right? So be prepared to just revisit the topic as your child is entering new phases of life. And if you feel overwhelmed or unsure about how to approach the conversation, just seek guidance from somebody, you guys, whether it's a friend, whether it's a professional, whether it's a counselor, if you feel ill-equipped to handle these conversations, that's okay. But that doesn't mean that the conversations can't be happening with your child just because you're not equipped for it. So reach out to resources, listen to this, like bookmark this episode, save this episode um, because we're all capable of it. Even if you're somebody that is still currently actively drinking and maybe trying to get sober, that is okay. You're still part of this conversation and you can still help your own child make sure that they are going to be on the path to unlocking their own true dharma happiness and freedom that's all i want for my child and the beautiful thing is because i am sober now i i have the ability to to take my pain that i suffered for 20 years and i can turn that into power i can turn that into something of value to my child to break that generational curse, right? So just to kind of run through the list again with you, number one, start with age-appropriate education. Number two, promote open communication in your household. Number three, emphasize the risks and consequences, not in a fearful way. 
Number four, foster resilience and coping skills. And number five, be a positive role model. Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk. Okay? That's what I have for you today. I'll see you next week with another solo episode from the Together Sober podcast. If you're still listening right now, I'm going to assume that you really liked this episode. And if that's the case, can you please go ahead and rate and review the Together Sober podcast? What this does is organically puts the podcast into more listeners' ears, thus creating more lasting and effortless sobriety and mental peace for others.